Okay, good morning, everyone, and welcome to this week's virtual plant clinic. My name is Bill Lester. I'm with University of Florida IFAS Extension Service here in Hernando County, and I'm here all by myself today to take all your lawn and garden questions and hopefully figure out an answer or a uh, solution to whatever your problems might be. Um, see, we have at least one person on here at this point. Um, go ahead and let me know that you're on. Go ahead, if you have any kind of question or comment, just go ahead and put it in the comments underneath the video, whether you're watching me on Facebook, our Facebook page, or our Facebook group, or on YouTube Live, wherever you're viewing from, just go ahead and put something in the comments uh, about where you're watching us from today. I know that we have regular viewers from all over the state of Florida. And yesterday I had to give a class on Zoom. It was supposed to be our Florida Friendly Landscape Coordinator, Lily Browning's class, but she was called out of town for a family emergency. So I volunteered to fill in for her and it was on proper pruning techniques for new homeowners and oh my gosh we had i think about 300 people on there everybody tuned in because i think everybody's starting to think more spring is coming my landscape looks bad i need to prune things back i have a lot of freeze damage i know for anybody here in hernando county or any place north of here You've had, you know, quite a bit of cold weather this winter, a little bit more than usual, you know, from the last couple of years. And Buddy's here from Tallahassee. I'm sure Buddy saw much colder weather than we saw here in Hernando County. But you probably had a lot of freeze damaged plants and there's a lot of brown leaves and dead branches on it. And you're starting to think, should I start pruning now? Should I wait? When should I wait till? And that kind of really depends on exactly where you live. Because uh, we have Pam here from Ponta Vedra, Florida. So as a general rule in Central Florida, Hernando County, all the way over to Orlando and general areas right across the middle of the state, it all depends on what kind of plants you're looking at pruning. If you have a tree that needs to be trimmed, it should be safe to do it now. Of course, if it's major trimming or you're not sure if the tree is safe, or maybe not safe, maybe it has a disease, maybe it has branches that look a little dangerous, you probably want to consult with a certified arborist to come out and actually look at the tree and tell you if it's safe, if it just needs to be pruned a little bit, or if it needs to be removed, because that's very, very important, especially with large trees that may fall on your house or your car or somebody else in a storm. You want to be very careful that you get expert advice on that. Um, if it's just flowering sh uh, shrubs and hedges and things like that, here in Central Florida, we say generally wait until late February or some point in March. You want to wait until you think that all the freezes and frosts have passed in your area before you go out there and start pruning things. Now, obviously, further north of here, once we get up to Ocala, Gainesville, it's going to be a little bit later than that. You may want to wait till the end of March. Up in uh, Tallahassee, I say definitely end of March, especially if it's a fairly tender plant, something that's going to be damaged by more cold weather. Because what happens is after you go out there and prune those plants, if we have nice weather, like we're supposed to have this coming week, you know, definitely not 
frosty cold, not scorching hot either, but definitely nice enough where that plant or bush is going to start to regrow. That new growth, if it gets frozen in a late freeze or frost, is going to get badly damaged. So for a lot of plants, you want to wait until the chance of freezes and frosts are over and done with. So good morning, Cindy. Cindy's here from Pinellas County. And Pinellas County, this is kind of funny because Pinellas County is not that far away. I could hop in my car and make it to Pinellas County in not that long. But as far as weather goes and planting zones and what they can grow there, what we can grow here, it seems like there's almost a world of difference. So in Pinellas County, especially if you're right on the coast, you're right near a waterway where it's going to naturally stay a little bit warmer, you can grow more tropical things than we can grow here with more success. So even though a lot of people here in Hernando County try growing different tropical plants, yeah, when you wake up one morning and the thermometer says 27 degrees, depending on what you're growing, it may be frozen, it may be badly damaged, it may even be dead and weather that cold. But Cindy's kind of fortunate because where she lives in Pinellas County, it's a little bit warmer. And I know that she's asked questions about, um, I think, papayas and other tropical fruits before. So it's a lot easier for her to grow them there. See who else is on here. Good morning, Carl. How are you? So like I said, if you guys have any questions, just go ahead and type them in and I'll go ahead and cover them and I'll do my very best of giving you an answer right off the top of my head. Um, but going back to the class that we gave yesterday on proper pruning techniques, I'm not even positive exactly how many different people were viewing, but it was several hundred. It was a surprisingly large turnout for a 10 a.m. Zoom class. But if you missed that class and you'd like to still watch it, we did record it. And the recording is going to be on, I'm going to put it on our Facebook page. And let me go ahead and show that address. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Hernando EXT. And that's short for Hernando Extension. That's our short name. So if you're on Facebook and you have never visited our page, uh, you definitely need to do so this morning. And be sure to like us and follow us so that way our posts are going to show up in your feed. And like I said, within the next day or two, as soon as they get the video finished up, we'll post it there. And Lily Browning will have it on her Florida Friendly Landscape page also. And I'll probably go ahead and put it in YouTube or store it in YouTube too. Because it turned out to be a very good class, mostly because of all the questions I was getting at the end. Oh my gosh, I think I could have stayed on there half the day just answering individual specific questions about how do I prune my camellia? How do I prune my lemon tree? How do I prune this and that and the magnolia tree? And every different plant is different how you're going to prune it and manage it. And that's really what it is, is a management situation. You're managing your lawn. You're managing your landscape. So you need to think in terms of I'm managing a tree or bush. So how should I prune it back to make it, number one, look attractive? Number two, keep it healthy. Number three, keep it shaped and in a way that it's going to be healthy for a long time. I see sometimes people will put trees in their landscape and probably the worst example I see, and this just drives me crazy every time I see it, people will have an oak tree growing in their yard. 
you're thinking, okay, well, that's great. Live oaks turn into a great big attractive shade tree, gives you a lot of shade, gives you um, acorns for the squirrels, for the wildlife. It's a, a very good landscape tree as long as you give it plenty of room to grow. Well, they'll go out there and they start trimming it up and pruning it up like a great big ball, like a great big round lollipop. And that is just absolutely terrible for an oak tree. You might think that you're making it look attractive, but now it's going to require almost constant maintenance because it's always going to be trying to grow back and sending out shoots and not looking right. And now either you're out there pruning it or you're paying somebody to prune it frequently. And every branch that you cut right below that, the tree is going to send out 10 new little branches that have to constantly be pruned off and trimmed off. And you're going to greatly shorten the lifespan of that tree along with causing a lot of work either for you or a lot of expense if you're having to pay somebody else to come out there and get up on a ladder or equipment to keep it pruned and looking nice. So that's don't prune live oak trees to look like a great big round ball. Let's just kind of leave it at that. But that's terrible for trees. Okay, we got a couple uh, questions coming in here. Carl says, I have papayas in pots, one gallon. And I have a couple also. I started a few a few months ago. They're still in pots, and I keep bringing them in when it gets really cold and putting them out when it's nice. He says, I'm hesitating planting them in the ground until February 14th-ish. Papayas are about four feet tall right now and one inch or so trunk. That's great. It's great to be able to start papayas really early and grow them through the winter and get them a little bit bigger, a little bit larger. Um, if it was me, I would wait until probably middle of March to actually put them in the ground because papayas are very, very sensitive to frosts and freezes. It doesn't even have to get down to freezing to damage a papaya. And depending on where in your yard they're going, it may be a spot that stays a little bit warmer, maybe a spot out in the middle of your yard that gets a little bit colder. So I'm not going to put mine in probably till the middle of March here in Hernando County. And Carl, I'm not sure exactly what county you live in, but if you're anywhere north of here, try not to be in too big of a rush to put the papayas in the ground. Now you can keep them in a one gallon pot. You could even step them up to a three gallon pot and take really good care of them and put them outside when it's sunny and warm. If it's gonna be cold at night, drag them in or cover them, you know, whatever you have to do. And you can have some really big, healthy transplants to put in. And that gives you a really good jump start on the summer when papayas are gonna grow like weeds if you take good care of them. So you can put them in in March and then give them plenty of water, plenty of fertilizer, lots of compost, make them grow like crazy and they're going to get really big and hopefully flower and give you papayas before next winter when we start getting freezes again. So Linda said, excellent class on pruning. Thank you very much. I was a little like taken aback by how many people were on there. That was definitely a large crowd, but I think it turned out pretty well. I think I covered everything pretty well. Uh, I plan to watch it again. Thanks for the info. Great. Like I said, as soon as that video is finished up, we will have it on our Facebook page and Lily will have it on her Facebook page. It will be on Hernando County government's uh, YouTube page. And I need to look up the link for that and put that on here where I can share that also. So it will be available and you can watch it. 
And of course, if you ever have any questions about pruning anything really, and like I said, all different plants, there's different specific ways you need to prune it. We even had questions on how to prune muscadine grapes and different various fruit trees, and they're all different. University of Florida has a lot of really good information online with diagrams and showing exactly how to prune it after the first year, the second year, third year, and then in the future after that. And they're all different. That's, we can kind of leave it at that. So if you have any questions about uh, pruning anything, go ahead and contact our office. There is the phone number 352-754-4433. When you call, you're gonna get a hold of Teresa and she'll try her best to help you out. And if it's a complicated question, she will forward it to me and then I'll take my best shot at it. Um, if you need to email me, there's my email address, wlester at ufl.edu. And if you have any really, really difficult questions and you need a lot of really complicated help, go ahead and feel free to email Lily, who's not here with us today, but we may as well put her contact information up there also. That's lilyb at hernandocounty, all one word, dot us. So if you have any questions, that is how you would get in contact with us. Um, okay, here's a good question from Carol. We don't get this question a lot, but if you have a Sago, this definitely applies to you. So everybody listening who has a Sago palm, this is going to apply to you, even if you don't know yet that it applies to you. Carol says, I've been told that I have Asian scale on my Sago pines. Technically, it's a Sago palm. Technically, it's not a palm tree. It's a cycad, which is a different family of plants. They're related, but it's not a true palm. And Sago palms used to be very, very popular. They are very expensive. You would see a lot of people in older neighborhoods would have very, very large Sagos. And they would become very expensive. So I know that years ago, there were problems with people going and stealing large mature Sagos out of people's yards and then selling them on the black market. But Sago palms suffer from an insect pest called the Asian scale. So Carol asks, uh, should I power wash the underside of the branches and then sprinkle a small amount of Epsom salt around the bottom? Is this what I should try? Nope, if you have Asian scale, that is not going to help. Asian scale is a problem because it's a scale insect. And if you have a sago palm, if you go out there and turn the leaves over and look at the bottom, you're going to see little white specks on it. And those are the scales. And the scales are on the undersides of the leaves. They're also on the trunk. And they also live slightly underground on the trunk and down as far as the roots. So the problem is you can use an oil spray right now during the winter. And obviously you can spray the leaves really well. You can spray the trunk really well, but that doesn't control the other scales that are living underground. So you're probably going to have to get a um, systemic pesticide. That's the only way that's going to effectively control the scales. And what this is is something that you could spray the plant with and also water it in and it's taken up through the roots and moved up into this um, sago 
And when the scales start feeding on it, they're going to get a big gulp of the insecticide and it's going to kill them. That's how it works. The most common and most effective one for Sago scale is a product that's called Safari. That is the um, brand name for it. So if you look at a lawn and garden center or a nursery or even look online, Safari is really the only effective control for that. And that's really the only situation that I recommend Safari for. So like I said, if you have a Sago palm and you don't even, and you've never heard about Asian scales and you don't know you have a problem, you probably need to go out there and take a close look at your Sago. Like I said, turn the leaves over. You're probably going to need a magnifying glass or a hand lens to get a good look because the scales are very, very tiny and really hard to see for sure with the naked eye. But you're going to have to take a close look and see if you have the scales. If you're not really sure if they're on there or not, if you cut a leaf off and bring it to our office, or if you're listening from another county, if you contact your county's extension office and find out what their hours are for walk-in questions and take it to them. I know we have a microscope. I just tossed it under the microscope and I could tell you and, you know, right away whether you have scales or not and what we'd recommend to help control them. Um, but feel free to contact your county's extension office and find out when their walk-in hours are and um, when you could bring a sample in for them to look at. So we have Cheryl here from Spring Hill. Good morning, Cheryl. I am in Spring Hill also. It is a beautiful day outside today. A little cool, a little breezy, but uh, definitely good weather for growing my little papayas that are sitting in the backyard in pots, enjoying the nice weather. So Facebook user asks, is it safe to assume the same applies to avocado? So Facebook user, if you're asking about, um, oh, well, I'm not sure what you're exactly you're asking about, whether you're talking about the Sago scales or whether you're talking about holding off on your transplants until March to put out. If you have an avocado tree that either you started or you purchased from a nursery and you're wondering when is a safe time to put it out in the ground, avocados are tropical and tender. I would wait until some point in March also to actually put them in the ground. Susan says, thank you for the terrific pruning webinar. You're very welcome. That I think that turned out really well. Hopefully nobody noticed that I was a little bit nervous about having that many people on there all at once. Um, getting ready to help plant a community school vegetable garden. We have new raised beds. Is it best to fill them with new soil or can we use the old? What soil amendments should we use? If you have raised beds and you put soil in them in the past, you can keep planting and growing in that soil for a number of years. It's not like it wears out or expires or goes bad. What you'd wanna do is every year or every season before you plant the next crop in the raised beds is work in some fresh compost. So if you're able to make compost, that is great. Homemade compost in a vegetable garden is probably the most fantastic soil amendment you can ever possibly add. If you can't or don't make your own compost, um, different products like bagged mushroom compost, bagged black cow cow manure, things like that, they work really well also. 
For vegetables, you probably want to put a light scattering of a general purpose fertilizer on it. That would be 666-101010. There's a lot of different uh, fertilizers that are labeled for vegetable gardens. All of those are going to work well. You don't want to go too heavy with the fertilizer. Just a light scattering on a regular basis, maybe monthly, is going to keep the vegetables healthy and growing. And that should do it. You should be pretty well set. If you build a raised bed, you probably don't want to use native soil. You don't want to go digging a big hole in the ground and fill your raised beds with it because that soil has all the same problems that your regular in-ground vegetable garden has. It may have nematodes. It probably has fungal disease spores in it, may have insects, things like that. So you want to get a... Um, some kind of, and you can usually get it by the truckload from landscaping companies, either compost or quality potting soil or vegetable garden bed soil. It's sold under a number of different names and descriptions and start with that. But you can use it over and over for a number of years. It doesn't, doesn't go bad. So Facebook user says, how do I ask a question? I'm overrun with aphids. Well, you just successfully asked the question. So what to do with aphids? Aphids are very common in Florida and gosh, in every other state also. I mean, we have aphids across the country. It's not just a Florida problem. We have a number of different species of aphids here in Florida and they're, very, they're all very tiny. You're gonna need a magnifying glass or hand lens to say for sure whether it's an aphid and aphids is pretty easy to tell if it's an aphid or not because aphids are a small insect. They have six legs. They have two antennas. They can be different colors. They might be green or brown or tan or kind of gray. There's one that's a bright orange. Very, very attractive. I think it's very attractive, but bright orange, very, very easy to see and identify. But if you look at an aphid near its back end, on its back, it has two little structures sticking out that look like little tailpipes. And depending on the species, they may be very long, they may be very short, but their technical term for that is siphunculi. I'm kind of surprised that I remember that this morning, but common name for them is basically tailpipes. So if you see a little insect and it's got those tailpipes, it's an aphid. Aphids are very easy to control because there's a lot of insects out there that feed on aphids. So aphids are a really good food source for ladybugs. Ladybugs will gobble up aphids. Green lacewings, they'll gobble up aphids also. There's a lot of little parasitic or parasitoid wasps that will, if you look online, there's videos online of it, of the tiny little wasp landing on top of the aphid and just very quickly, boink, putting an egg inside of it. And the maturing wasp is gonna kill the aphid and if you have a lot of those little wasps in your yard, you can get really control of the aphids just from them. They can do a very good job if you have them and you have lots of them. If you wanna use some kind of chemical control for them, they're very easy to get rid of. If you have just a few on the tip of one plant, you can use a garden hose to gently blast them off. You don't wanna to go too hard and damage the plant, but they wash off or rinse off very easily and they don't fly or move very well. So they're not gonna come back to the plant very quickly. Um, if you wanna spray something, insecticidal soap, 
is very, very effective, very safe to use, uh, very safe to use on anything that you're eating, whether it's vegetables or a fruit tree or something like that. So for aphids, really all you need is insecticidal soap or neem oil is effective also, or even just a general purpose horticultural oil. Now for neem oil and horticultural oil, it is safe to use them right now. We're still in the middle of winter. Once it starts to heat up and we get into summer, the sun is directly overhead. It's really hot and steamy and the sun is really strong. You don't want to use any kind of oils then, or you want to be very, very careful using them in summer because they can scorch your plants. Your plants' leaves will basically get sunburned. And if you use an oil spray, you may damage the plant pretty badly from the oil sprays. I've seen it happen before in June and July and August. So aphids, easy to control. Just go and get yourself, and you can even buy it in a spray bottle already mixed up for you, uh, insecticidal soap, and that should take care of them right there. So Gail's here from Wikiwachi Royal Highlands. Good morning, Gail. How are you? So what are some relatively fast-growing trees to be planted for our area? It's very good that you put the word relatively in there because some people want a tree that I guess in six months is going to be full-grown and 50 feet tall and nice shit. And trees just don't grow that fast. Um, let's see, some suggestions for relatively fast-growing trees in our area. Magnolias can grow fairly quickly. Um, oak trees grow slowly. Maples, red maples, which aren't used an awful lot. Maples are pretty fast growing. Maples can be a little bit of a problem. You do have to prune them when they're young and keep them to one liter. So a tree, if you get a little tree and plant it as it grows, you want to try to keep one great big leader or one great big trunk going up. You don't want to have multiple trunks growing up because when it gets bigger, one of those trunks could fall off and split the tree in half. And that's going to be a problem. So in a small, you want to keep it to just one main leader. If any other leaders try to compete and take off, you need to prune them off. But maples are a really good choice. Um, sweet gums are a very good choice. They're very fast growing. It's a good native tree. But if it's in your yard, people don't like sweet gums because they get those sticky, spiky little round balls. And then you have to run over them with your lawnmower and you start shooting them all over like little mortar shells. So homeowners, if it's in your landscape or your front yard, that might not be a very good choice. But if you have a large wooded lot, you're looking for something a little bit back closer to the woods and it doesn't really matter if it's dropping little sticky balls. Sweet gums are a good choice. Um, native plums are a good choice. They don't get really tall, but they'll get up to 15 feet tall if you're looking for something a little bit shorter. Chickasaw plums and hog plums, they go by different names. It's basically the same species. They grow really well, especially out there in the rural highlands because they're native to that area. They don't mind the sandy, high, dry conditions out there. And it, it's an attractive tree. It flowers, lots of white flowers in the spring. Actually does get plums that you can eat if you can kind of catch them before the animals and the birds and everything else do. 
So those are a couple ideas. Um, Cheryl asks, what are your thoughts on worm castings for general use? Worm castings are a great mild fertilizer in um, soil amendment. I know a lot of people raise their own worms and it's a great hobby to get into. There is a ton of information online about that, about how to care for them, how to feed them, how to basically harvest the worm castings. You're going to let the worms grow in a bin and you're going to keep feeding them vegetable scraps and shredded paper and other things. Then you have to get the worms to move to a new home so that you could take the castings and what they left in the old bin. So like we need to put, we need to do a class on that. That's, that's a great idea. So thank you for suggesting that, I guess, about um, raising worms. Worm castings are fantastic. It's a very mild fertilizer. It's a very good soil amendment. It works well for potted plants, for a raised bed vegetable garden, even just working into the soil if you have an in-ground vegetable garden. So works very, very well. So Doris has kind of a pruning question here. I cut back hard my new fire bush about three months ago because of aphids. It now looks kind of sad with no blooms. Will fertilizer help? It probably looks a little sad because of the cold weather that we've had. I have one in my backyard and it looks very, very sad also because fire bushes, when we get freezes and frosts, even though fire bushes are a native plant, they are susceptible to a lot of freeze damage. So if you have a big fire bush, the colder it gets, the more damage you get. And if it gets really super cold, it's going to be frozen all the way back to like knee high or ankle high. You can cut it back hard. And as long as it's still alive, it will spring back to life in March and grow very quickly and start flowering, gosh, as early as April or May. So fire bushes are pretty amazing at how quickly they grow back and how quickly they start flowering after they start growing back. So will fertilizer help? You probably want to fertilize it lightly when it starts regrowing. So that's going to be around middle of March. You don't want to fertilize it now because if you get it kind of going and growing and sending out new tender growth and maybe even some new flowers, if we get another freeze in February, it's going to damage all, it's going to freeze all that back. It's going to get a lot of freeze damage then so patience is your friend you want to be a little bit more patient and doris if you're anywhere near hernando county or central florida i'd say wait until mid-march if you're south of here you could do it earlier if you're north of here you probably want to wait till maybe even a little bit later all depending on exactly where you live so linda asks, why are my tomatoes staying green linda i'm not sure exactly where you live what county you're in um, but technically here in central Florida, even though you can grow tomatoes during the winter, some people will grow them in a greenhouse, some people grow them in containers. So if we're going to get a really terrible freeze, they're able to drag them indoors and put them back out the next day. Tomatoes, sometimes you just have to have patience. If they flowered and you have green tomatoes on there, and your tomato plants are otherwise well cared for, properly watered, properly fertilized, they will turn red eventually. 
if you're growing a variety of tomatoes that get large tomatoes on them and they get large and green and rock hard, my suggestion to you is fried green tomatoes. Just look online and you're going to find recipes for that. We make them as one of my wife's favorites. We make them when we're able to find green tomatoes at the grocery store. And that's a really, really good way to enjoy those tomatoes. So Facebook user, you are very welcome there. Uh, Cheryl said, thank you. That would be an awesome class. Yeah, I know we don't get a lot of questions about raising worms and worm castings. But it is a good kind of tie-in. We do a composting program. So for anybody here who lives in Hernando County, and you have to be a Hernando County resident for this, we do have a program where the Hernando County Solid Waste Department has grant money and funds to purchase composting bins. And if you attend one of our classes on composting, you can get a free composting bin. So like I said, this is only for Hernando County residents. We've been doing it about every month or so. And of course, because of COVID, the class has had to be online. So we do a class on Zoom all about composting. And people will usually ask about, well, can I raise worms in it and raise worms on the side? And you can raise worms, but you probably don't want to do it in a compost bin. You need a different kind of bin for that. So if you want any information on our upcoming composting classes, when we schedule them, if you already follow us on Facebook, we put that information on there. Or let me show this once again. Our phone number, if you call the office, uh, Teresa can pass your information on to Lily. Or if you'd like to just save time and email Lily directly, Lily keeps the list for people who are interested in either free compost bins or rain barrels that you have to pay for, but if you're a customer of Hernando County Utilities, you get a rebate on your water bill for it. So Lily has all the details on that. Go ahead and email her directly. Here's her email address again, lilyb at hernandocounty.us, and she can put you on the list and give you all the information on that. So Diana asks, my Turk's cap is super leggy. Turk's cap is kind of a type of hibiscus. They're very attractive and the flowers are like a hibiscus, but they droop and hang down a little bit. It almost looks like a colorful little hat. That's probably how it got its common name, Turk's cap. <clears throat> and hers is super leggy. That can happen with Turk's cap or hibiscus. The shadier the spot you grow it in, the leggier it's going to get long term. Generally, the sunnier it is, the less leggy it is. But sometimes even in the full sun, they get a little leggy too. She said, when is a good time to trim and how far back do I cut it? That is a great question because I have the answer for that. You here in Hernando County, you probably want to wait until middle of March. And you can cut back the individual branches back to... If it's really leggy and really tall right now, figure out where ideally you want it to be and cut it back about a foot or so shorter than that. Because what that does is it gives it room to grow to where you ideally want it. And then it's going to grow a little bit more where it's a little bit bigger than you might ideally want it, but you can still tolerate it. 
So you can cut it back about a foot shorter than where you ideally want it. Try to cut it back to where you see a new little sprout coming out of the um, branch. But really, wherever you cut it back to, those things are pretty aggressive and you're going to send out new sprouts on the branches that you cut it back and it's going to grow back and hopefully it's going to grow back a little bit thicker but they can get leggy ideally with a turks cap or a hibiscus you want to kind of plant it so you only have to prune it once if you only prune it once a year that gives it months and months and months to grow back and flower and look good look attractive in your landscape you don't want to trim it back a little bit and then a month later, trim it back a little more, trim it back a little more, because what that what happens is you're going to get far fewer flowers on it. And then you're wondering, you know, Bill, how come my Turk's cap never flowers? It's because you're trimming it all the time. So if you try to trim it back just once, trim it back a bunch, they're, they're very, very hardy, long-term landscape plants. It should grow right back and start flowering probably within about a month or two if you prune it back in March. It may flower as early as May, May or June, and then flower all the way up until the next frost, next winter. So if anybody else has any questions here, Diana says, thank you. It's still blooming, and I saw a hummingbird yesterday. That's great. If you want to attract hummingbirds to your yard, turks caps work well. Um, firecracker plants work well because they have the little tiny red flowers probably the one thing that works the best is a fire bush because i know i never saw a hummingbird in my yard i never saw one in florida until i planted a fire bush if you have a fire bush when those hummingbirds find it they're going to hang out in your yard all the time and they're funny because if you sit outside they fly up they visit flowers they hang out and then boom they fly away 10 minutes later he comes back and then you know checks out a few more flowers and then boom flies away again and they'll do that all day long sometimes you end up attracting a few of them and they'll start having fights out in your front yard they're kind of competing for space so hummingbirds are a lot of fun to watch and if you have a fire bush you're pretty much guaranteed to have one so if anybody has any kind of last minute questions here go ahead and get them in let me go ahead and remind everybody that if you want any information on any of our upcoming classes, like the pruning class we had yesterday, like the plant clinic, you can't remember the, the login or what time it is or when it is, if you just go to Hernando Extension, all one word, dot com, you're going to find a full listing of all of our different classes coming up as soon as we schedule them on Facebook, under Facebook events, they automatically show up there. So it's a really good spot to just kind of bookmark and keep checking back because we're always scheduling different things and putting them up on there. Let me make mention this coming Tuesday, we have a evening class at 6.30 Tuesday evening. We're trying to do that once a month for people who have to work for a living. That way they can join in and watch live and ask questions. It's all going to be on responsible insect identification and control for new gardeners. Because when I look on Facebook and I start going to the different Facebook groups, that is a really common question. I think a lot of people get confused on whether their plants have insects feeding on or not. They have no idea what insects are on there. 
They don't know how to look for them. And then there's a lot of confusion about what do I spray to control them. There's a lot of not really accurate advice out there. Because if you don't know what kind of pest you're dealing with, I have no idea what to recommend to control it. And you don't know what to spray on it to control it either. So you have to start with correct identification. The second step is figuring out if you have to control them or not. Because just because you find a bug on your plant doesn't mean that you have to spray. And it's not until at least the third step when you start thinking, what kind of spray do I need to get to control them with? And a lot of times there are a lot of products out there that are very, very safe uh, to use, safe for you, safe for your kids, safe for the neighbor's dog, safe for beneficial insects that are very, very specific for the insect pests that you have. But if you don't even know what pest you have, you have no idea exactly what to get to control it. So that is going to be wherever you're watching me today, it's going to be on the same thing. That's going to be right back here using StreamYard on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, YouTube Live. And that's going to be 6.30 this coming Tuesday evening. So if you go to HernandoExtension.com, you're going to find all the details on that. If you want to email me, there is my email. Um, let's see. You realize that these weekly virtual plant clinics are being saved and put up as a podcast also. So for anybody who enjoys podcasts, um, what I do is today, as soon as we're done, I'm going to download the audio from today's presentation. I'm going to turn around and upload it to Anchor which is a uh, podcasting service. And then shortly after that, if you're into listening to podcasts, you're going to be able to listen to today's presentation on podcasts. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash William dash J dash Lester, it's a little long, but if you copy that down correctly and go there, you're going to be able to listen to today's episode along with a lot of our past episodes also. So we are now on the virtual plant clinic with Dr. Bill is now on about six different podcasting services. So whatever podcasting service you may use, whether it's Spotify, whether you listen directly on Anchor, go ahead and look on there for the virtual plant clinic with Dr. Bill. And we're probably on there and you're gonna be able to listen to us that way. So let's go back to Questions real quick before we wrap up here today. Uh, Doris says, thank you from Flagler Beach. That's great. Thank you, Doris. Thank you so much for tuning in. And Flagler Beach is central Florida also. It's just a whole lot east of here. Um, we have a question about how about care of my firebush? Firebushes require literally no care. If you have a firebush, you need to plan on pruning it back, potentially pruning it back really hard if you have a lot of freeze damage in the spring, right around March 15th, prune it back, get it cleaned up, maybe fertilize it lightly, and then after that, just let her go. Let it grow and spread. It'll pretty quickly start to grow back and start flowering also. All summer long, it's gonna get bigger and flower more. You'll have hummingbirds visiting it, uh, butterflies, you'll have a lot of butterflies in your yard visiting it also. 
other than that, it is a great plant because it requires no maintenance. So that's definitely a keeper in my yard because I'm really a no maintenance kind of guy. I don't get out there and do a whole lot to it. Um, Gail says, thanks for all the great info and especially the tree suggestions. You're very welcome, Gail. Yeah, trees are a whole topic of their own. And kind of depends on the tree. Trees are very, very site-specific. Um, and Cindy says, that sounds great. Last year, I saw a beautiful bright green caterpillar, and I was going to pick it up, and then I was told it stings. Yes, we do have several different caterpillars, and um, we have a class coming up. If you go to hernandoextension.com, and let me go ahead and throw that up there once again. Lily and I have a class coming up on insects and things in your yard that will bite you, sting you, and taste you, basically. And we'll cover the stinging caterpillars on that also. We do have a couple of specific species of caterpillars here in Florida. They all, they're all hairy. They all have a lot of long hairs on them. And some of their hairs are urticating. That's the vocabulary word for today. U-R-T-I-C-A-T-I-N-G, urticating, which means they are stinging hairs. And those hairs actually have poison glands at the base of the hair. And if you brush against them, touch them, pick them up and start poking at them, those hairs will poke into you and it will hurt really, really bad. I've never experienced myself, but I've heard that it hurts really bad. So it's kind of important to know what caterpillars to pick up and which ones not to pick up. If you're ever not sure and it's a hairy caterpillar, it's best not to pick it up. But I know that we're going to be covering that in that upcoming class. And if I, I don't know the date off the top of my head, but if you look at HernandoExtension.com, we have the date, we have a link, and all the information you need there to watch it and enjoy it. And that's another one that we're going to be um, recording also and putting up on Facebook and the county YouTube and other places so that you can watch it even if you're not free to watch it live right when we're doing it. So I think that pretty much does it for the questions today. I think I'm kind of questioned out here basically. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Everybody keep tuning in. We're going to be back here again next Thursday at 10 a.m. for another uh, broadcast or episode of the virtual plant clinic. And if you have any other questions, please feel free to, contact myself, contact our office, contact Lily. If we don't know the answer to your question, we'll find somebody that does know the answer and get an answer for you and help solve your problems. So with that, thanks again, everybody. You guys all have a great day and we will see you again next week. Thanks. Bye.